Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we are going to talk about the pitfalls of sharing your art. And for anybody that is listening to this, we have our amazing Rogue Artist family here with us. And they will be sharing their stories, their comments, their questions, and always make these podcasts a lot more fun and a lot more informative. Informative. Yeah. So what do I mean by pitfalls and why do I want to talk about pitfalls, right? Because like, it's, it's almost like one of those things where I want to motivate people to put their artwork out there. But I think that it's important to talk about, like, what can go wrong. Mm -hmm. Because um, whatever you think is going to go wrong is going to go wrong. And many, many times, um, people that don't really prepare for that, it uh, when you're putting your artwork out there, it could be very discouraging. So uh, that's why I want to talk about these subjects and stuff. And obviously, for the Rogue fam that's here... If you guys have pitfalls or anything that you want to share, go ahead and just put them in the feed and we'll read them out to you. Most definitely. So let's go into the first one. Okay. Which is obviously, and this one's a pretty obvious one, is criticism and rejection. Uh Uh-huh. Most definitely when you start putting yourself out there, you are going to face criticism, whether it is friends and family. Usually the first round of criticism is going to come from friends and family and uh, rejection. Your art's going to get rejected. Um, Along with that comes your art is going to get ignored. Nobody's seen it before, and it's going to feel like nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is a big uh, thing for a lot of people putting their artwork out there. You know, you start maybe a social media thing, or you sign up for a show, and you start to notice that, like, nobody's paying attention yeah, especially like when you're first getting started and it feels like you're creating in a vacuum, right? You don't have any external feedback. You only really have like you. And so then it can be all too easy to be looking for external opinions and maybe even some external validation that what you're doing is right. And I'm saying that with air quotes because there's no such thing. But um, that's where like you, you could be particularly sensitive for starting out because you're looking for that feedback. And if you're getting the wrong kind of feedback, it can be a little emotionally turbulent. Most definitely. Like, and I think about, so I'll share the two stories with you guys from when I first started the very first day that Klee convinced me to show my art. It was at the golf breeze flea market Klee was already showing her jewelry Mm -hmm. and we had to move a spot and we didn't want to lose that spot. So um, I was like, okay, well, maybe I could sell something. And Klee was like, why don't you show your art and sell your art? And I was like, what? No. (gasps) You know, it it freaked me out. You were like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. (laughs) And then decided like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well do this now. And the very first day I was working on an abstract painting and my father who also had a shop at this flea market. It was the reason we were there because it was when he had his open heart surgery, we were helping him out mm-hmm. in his shop. Walks over to my newly formed booth uh, where I'm going to be showing my art and laughs at the abstract and is like, what is this shit? You know, and like basically because that abstract's never been, it's historically my dad even till this day when he sees my abstracts, he's like, why you're still doing those paintings about nothing. And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. But like, you know, he, 
is making a joke. And that's the thing. It's like a lot of people don't understand the journey of an artist putting yourself out there in that way. So to them, it's no big deal. But to me, it was like I was about to like this was the very first day I had never, never shown my art like that before. And there I was. And right before we open, he makes that comment. And immediately I want to crawl into a hole and, you know, like just not show any of my stuff. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. (laughs) So I decided. But at that point, you know, you have a decision to make in those moments where you're like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I did, which I'm very happy that I did. And I don't regret the decision to pursue this. Um, I want to say that a few weeks later, like my, not a few weeks, a few months later, my artwork is picking up momentum. I'm getting a lot of great feedback from people. Some people just kind of ignore it and whatever. I had to work through that where people like glance and they ignore it. But I'm, I'm, I'm getting some positive feedback. I'm actually selling some stuff and a man comes up and his daughter really liked my art, my wood, my seasons of change trees that I have that I do on wood And she's like, I really like that. And he looks over, glances at it, scoffs and says, that's nothing but paint on wood, you know, and like immediately I'm like hit in the chest. And the thing about it is you're going to get criticism and rejection. You're going to get ignored. There's no ifs, ands or buts about that. The thing is that it's better to put it out there and have that happen and like face it like and work through it work through it than to have it not happen mm-hmm. so it's gonna happen but trust me like it's not even about developing a, a thick skin it's about getting to a point where you just don't you're like all right whatever thanks for your opinion you know sometimes it's not even about you or your art also um my i think my first bit of criticism early on was a mother and daughter looking at my jewelry and the daughter was visibly grouchy and the mother was like, do you like any of this? And the daughter was like, no. (laughs) And I wanted to be like, oh. But I think uh, what I had to do was take a pause and realize something is clearly going on with them energetically. Like, it is fine. It's not about me. I also Most likely anything that the daughter looked at that day that, her mom was like look do you like this she would have been like no it was pretty clear she didn't want to be there so yeah um i had another gentleman this was a little bit later on this was after i had already worked through a lot of stuff um at the farmer's market uh and a guy said that he really liked our seasons of change tree collaboration necklaces he said he really liked the trees but he really hated the way that i mounted them And um, my first question, because I I realized, like, oh, okay, this person said bezel to me. I don't like the way you bezeled them. And I said, oh, you're a jeweler. (laughs) And he said, yeah. Now, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't 100% in love with the way I bezeled them either. It was just my skill level at the time. So while it was a little bit like, ugh, I also realized, like, well, I'm kind of still new at this, so, like, I'm improving my skills all the time, so, like, I'm not super upset by this comment. Right, right. And that's the thing. You're going to get comments. I like that you brought that up because, honestly, some of the worst comments I've gotten are from other artists. Yeah. Right? And I got into the habit where my response was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, where can I see your stuff? And usually the people, like, it was very rare 
very rare that an artist criticized my work in a negative way if they were actually showing art or they had actually been in the arena. So it, it's it's really interesting when that happens. Cassie said, my motto is to prepare for a bear attack and then be disappointed that I only got criticized or ignored. That's a good <laughs> motto. Shan Chan said, I actually got into a gallery with a book where people can leave comments. Someone said my art was horrible and a waste of the gallery space. I read and thought, you're a waste of space. <laughs> That's a good response. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Like, you're going to take the time and energy to say that? I, and... That's on here because uh, on on my list of pitfalls of sharing art, and that is trolls. Whenever you run into – that's where it like – it's a comment that is just not even a criticism. It it is just a hatery comment. Yeah. And I have ran into – not very many, but I've ran into a few of those over the years. And to be honest with you – I would say that 99.9% of those comments came from other artists who were – where it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with them and their art career. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Those kind of comments are designed to be hurtful, and it's just someone projecting their own pain. Cassie said, I would add from experience that the silence can hit harder than the criticism. A criticism, you have the chance to take constructively or defend your stance. Silence offers nothing. I I feel like I feel like silence, though, is is almost like like if your perspective when it comes to silence, because that's hard, you know, like feeling ignored is hard, Mm -hmm. especially when you're putting all this time and energy into something. But in my mind, I had to over the years really develop the skill of combating that criticism the same way as if somebody did say something, you know, where it was like, well, this doesn't mean anything. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it just means that maybe I need to put myself out there more. Maybe I need to, you know, it it would become a personal challenge because there's nothing for, for me when it came to social media, for example, you know, and if you guys have been following me for a while, you know, that the first five years of posting on Instagram, on average, I would maybe get three to five likes per post, mm-hmm. right? And I posted every day. And so that allowed me to like really push through that feeling ignored thing. And that's where my technique of posting to social media for myself really got developed. Because during those first five years, if I was relying on how many people were paying attention, I I wouldn't have posted anything. Yeah, and I did come to realize, like, especially when your circle of people, when you're first starting out, right, and you don't have a big following, like the people that you're interacting with, chances are they are family and friends. And the biggest um, silence, at least in my experience, tends to come from those people for whatever reason, either because they think they know you and they don't think... Uh, they think they know what you're doing or they just don't care. They think it's whatever. a phase yeah, that they, you're going through. Or they're secretly jealous because they're not pursuing a thing that they want to be pursuing. Whatever their reasons are, it has been my experience that th- that group of people, the people closest to you, oftentimes are the people who are most quiet about what you're doing. Maybe they feel like it's not their place to say something. Whatever. We could speculate until the end of time. But I feel like... 
Um, and that's not the truth for everybody. Some people have really supportive networks. But if if that's happening, just understand that that as well is more about them than it is about you. Yeah. With the silence. Absolutely. Sarah said, no one hates my art. I hate it sometimes, though. <laughs> I have images in my head of how I want it to appear. That's like everyone, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, how I want it to appear when it falls, when it fails to be what I see, I stop painting and writing until my brain no, no longer cares. cares. Yeah. Yeah. I thought your uh, landlady hated your uh, cows. Blood red cows at Blood dawn. Blood red cows at dawn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Sarah, you did a great job of, of dealing with that criticism. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get to the next one. The other compa- the the other pitfall that you are going to run into is comparison to others. People have the tendency to relate to things by comparing it to other things. Yeah, I don't know how many times, and it happens on social media too. I can't even tell you how many times I've had somebody come in and look at a particular work of art. And say like, oh, this is a lot like blank, so-and-so. Like, they'll point out like another artist. And I'm like, okay, um, yeah, I don't know who that is. And then I'll write their name down. And then I'll look at their art. And I'll be like, my art doesn't look anything like that person's art. But we are sort of hardwired to make those connections. um, And they can be damaging. Yeah, at first at first I remember it like really bothered me cuz mm-hmm. like I, you know, I make it a point to create for myself from myself and I would put out my work and then somebody would come in and be like, "Oh yeah, your work looks a lot like so and so," right? Which kind of like to me meant like, "What do you think I'm copying stuff?" You know, like I would take it personally. I think afterwards, um, you know, after like dealing with that a few times, I realized that what they were doing is like they were complimenting. Like that's the way. Yeah. Like Lee said that a lot of people relate to stuff. They they it is often complimentary. They're relating what you're doing to something that they like um, and thinking like that, you know, this thing. So you're going to know it's a compliment. This is like the baseline standard in the music industry people here and if they like it they're gonna be like oh that reminds me of blah 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 and it's like well I don't know that or I do know that or whatever it is tricky because as an artist and especially with music where copyright stuff is really like prevalent um you are always trying to produce something that's not been done before something unique and so just like Um, inherently it feels a little like when it gets compared, but oftentimes people are well-meaning with that. Yeah. Um, and they're trying to say like, it's got this vibe and I really dig it. And a lot of people can't help themselves. I think most importantly, it's that you're not making those comparisons. Right. And, and feeling like you're less than because you're comparing because humans are going to compare your work to stuff until... As a species, we, like, move beyond that. But so far, as a species, we do like to make those comparisons. Aurora says, I have never been able to get uh, my family, and most especially my husband, to read my novels. Even my friends don't seem to want to buy my books. But some ask me for copies. Go figure. Yeah, yeah friends and family, when we we did our, our big excursion where we traveled the country um, our friends and family, and like when we started our, our career, 
Like they never, there was just n- zero response from anybody. They didn't read our blogs or watch our videos. We released a music album. They didn't nobody, listen to just it. Just nobody cared. It. Nobody yeah. cared. That was great because in the beginning, I remember being hurt by that. Like, mm-hmm. why aren't you? And then realizing like, you know, our art is not for everyone. And chances are it's not for our friends and family. So I'm not going to sit there and pine for them to, you know, pay attention to what we're doing because all it's doing is hurting me in the long run because I'm I'm hoping, you know, basically it's like it's a form of of waiting around for validation. And I realized that I didn't want to wait around for validation, not from my friends and family, nor from anybody else. Mm-hmm. So it really it really can empower you to just kind of do your own thing. And keep moving and find ways to motivate yourself without the reliance on outside factors. That's really important. Um, Sarah says here that uh, I did have a little girl comment as she and her mom uh, about the the cows, the blood red cows. And um, I that reminded me of a story with uh, where in the beginning I did have a little girl come up to my booth. I had some partial nudes in my artwork and this little girl found it um found found it appropriate to walk up to my table, smack my paintings as she was walking by with her sticky little candy hands and yell ugly and inappropriate, ugly and inappropriate, ugly and inappropriate. Yeah. As her parents stood by and watched all of this happen. Right. And I remember looking at the little girl and saying, you're ugly and inappropriate, which was probably not my best move. But it was the it was the thing that I had in the moment that came up. I was like, you're being ugly and inappropriate and like, just let it let it go at that. But it but it's interesting because you will run into those things. And if you're not prepared for it, like it's going to it's it's going to sting. It's going to sting a lot. Like mm-hmm. I've had so many things happen in my career that sting until this day. There are things that like sting. The nice thing is that you can um, every time they happen, that really is ultimately the time that you're going to deal with that stuff. Right. You could think about it and you could kind of play out these scenarios in your head. But really, when you're right there in front of it, that's the best time to like deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess I would say, like, as we're going through all of these things, all of these things are rites of passage in putting your artwork out there. Chances are you're going to encounter all of these things as you put your artwork out there. Uh, trying to avoid them is a fruitless endeavor. Yeah. <laughs> that See them as a notch on your belt, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one is pressure to conform. Right. And I wanted to add this in there because I think especially in the beginning and even even now at some points there, you know, you're dealing with a with a myriad of different artists and different opinions on artists and different buyers and, you know, different aspects of the art world. And it is easy to fall into a state where something seems like, well, this is what works or this is what works for other people and to just kind of like do what is expected of you as an artist. Right. Um, 
And it is when you're putting yourself out there, you get so much more opinions from other people on like how you should approach things, which way you should go. Some of them are good. Some of them are not good. It, but really, ultimately, what this does is it allows you to really, really pay attention to what you want and how you want to approach things and have the follow through to do it that way. Because the opposite of this is thinking that what you're doing is wrong and you need to follow the advice of so and so or or whatever is, you know, whatever is out there. Really, it's kind of like your gut, like, you know, what are the things that are going to push you out of your comfort zone? And, you know, pretty much we all know, like, what it is that we need to do. We do. In order to um, succeed at what we're doing. Yeah, I, I have definitely said that before and I'll agree with that wholeheartedly. Is that we, we, mo- we know what we need to do. Sometimes we just need the push to do it or permission to do it. Yeah. Um, Lisa, <laughs> I feel you, Lisa. Lisa said, I hate that my best comebacks to those comments come at 3 a.m. after the fact I've stewed on it. Yep. Um, but <laughs> the good news about that is, yes... Often our best comebacks come after the fact, but then you put that in your pocket for the next time. Yeah. Because if anything like that comes up again, then you have that that quip, that thing. You know what's funny about that, Lisa, is that like that's pretty much how most of mine, it was like after the fact. Especially because like when, when you're facing something like that for the first time, you're almost like a deer in headlights. You know, like you don't even know how to respond. Mm-hmm. But then later on, you're like, ooh, I should have said this. And I actually really love that because then I'm like, next time. Next time, anything even remotely close, and guaranteed you're going to have a next time. Anything even remotely close comes to this. Like, I am, this is, I've got this in my my box of ammunition. Mm -hmm. And it gets to the point where you almost look forward to that negative comment that that took a bite out of you just so that you could use that zinger you know what i mean like it makes it it turns it into a game which is really where i'm at right now with with these kind of things yes aurora said inappropriate that reminds me of the time my oldest daughter tried to read one of my books and i got lectured because moms aren't supposed to write about naughty things it was tame and low detail Yep. Yeah. All the people are going to have all the feelings, whatever, most definitely. Whatever role you're supposed to, especially with friends and family, because, you know, you have these, like, roles that you're supposed to fit into. And um, sometimes, sometimes like, what you want to do creatively doesn't work. That's why I recommend if you're going to start doing social media, right, for the first time um, when it comes to your art or anything like that, I actually recommend blocking most of your friends and family. Um just so that you don't you don't even just so you don't stop yourself from posting something that you want to post because you're afraid that mom might see it or that somebody might see it like just kind of just block them mm-hmm. just block them Cassie said and I love this giving in to the expected is like painting yourself blue and then swimming in the ocean and then being mad that no one can find you Better to be a lighthouse and shine your uniqueness Exactly that Cassie That is a very good visual m- metaphor for exactly what we're talking That's about. That's beautifully put. Mm-hmm. So the next one that I have on the list is vulnerability. Vulnerability. Embracing vulnerability is paramount for putting your stuff out there. It can also be one of the trickiest things. Yes. 
Yes, because essentially the moment that you're putting your artwork out there and like really sharing it and really at the end of the day for me, that was the thing that was stopping me from being really, really prolific in the way that I put my artwork out there. Um, because you know, it's like, you want this control, you want to maintain control. You want to have this controlled environment. So like, sure, I'm going to, I'm going to do it like this, but I'm not going to do it like that because I'm not ready yet. That was the biggest thing that I would tell myself. And really I wasn't doing that other thing because I felt vulnerable and I wasn't willing to push outside of a comfort zone, knowing full well that if I do that other thing, it's just giving me another opportunity to show my art somewhere And, um, it was just through the process of showing my art out there and being vulnerable that I got more comfortable with my own vulnerability Mm -hmm. and putting myself out there. Um, I expect to have what I call the vulnerability hangover after you take a big leap. (laughs) Um, and basically what I mean by that is like the next day after you've shared something, whether it's like in person or on social media or whatever, uh, chances are an hour later or 24 hours later, you're going to be like, oh my God. What, what did what, I do? What? Um, and I feel like that's just a natural part of the process. It's, uh, and that's why I've coined the term vulnerability hangover. And then that dissipates and then you realize like, okay, I'm okay. This is okay. Um, also, in the realm of vulnerability, I just wanted to kind of like segue off into a side thing of like not just emotional vulnerability, but a lot of people worry about physical vulnerability in sharing their art. Whether it's I just I'm scared of opening myself up to a world of people um, with different intentions. I'm I'm afraid of. Um, stalkers and weirdos. I'm afraid of people that are going to steal my art or steal my ideas. Like that form of vulnerability too. And obviously there's measures you can take to sort of protect yourself against some of that. Um, But that's a real fear for a lot of people. I've seen a lot of really great artists um, not be able to build up their career because they're too afraid to put their work out there because they're afraid that other artists will steal it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I did the, I did the same thing. I didn't want people stealing my ideas or, or things like that. And what I've realized is that like, you're either putting your artwork out there or you're not, it's that simple. Yeah. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I did during that time where I wasn't putting my artwork out there because whatever. And I was being very, very secretive with my art career. And then I was very surprised when nothing was coming of it. And, you know, it was it was just me standing in my own way because of fear. And that's really one of the the, one of the best things um, that has come out of me being an artist is really identifying there are things that you use to hold yourself back that are based in your own fears and whatever thing you've convinced yourself of to be afraid of uh, versus just putting it out there and just dealing with stuff as it comes up Mm -hmm. and really, really getting, getting experienced in doing that because no matter what, whether you're sharing your art or you're not sharing your art, you're going to run into pitfalls. You might as well be making the most of the experience by putting the artwork out there. Uh, Definitely. Um, So I've had my designs stolen on more than one occasion. So have you. Mm -hmm. One thing that I realized is like, well, I'm 
as the designer of the thing, A, it's the original and it's really awesome and the, the copycat is not going to be able to produce what I'm doing. Also, I'm on to the next thing, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, those copycats have never had much success in stealing designs. One thing that I will say if you're worried about your intellectual property or your designs or your artwork being stolen is when you're in the conceptual or not complete stages, I guess do what you need to do to protect the work while it's in the works, right? Maybe don't overshare what you're doing while you're still creating it. Right. I was worried about that with Fools. I was worried about somebody beating me to it as this this idea of the song. Was that an unfounded fear? I don't know. But I kept Fools moderately guarded until it was actually distributed. I played it live. We played it live. So it we was did? on the internet. Yeah. So was it really guarded? No, not really. But at the same time, there was a record of us playing it live, and so there was proof that it was our concept anyway. But I would say, maybe don't put it far and wide out there while you're still conceptualizing it. Um, but then once it's complete and it's ready to go out into the world, put it out into the world and then move on to the next thing, because there's going to be a paper trail and a record that you're the creator of this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's how I personally deal with that. And I, I, I think everybody's got to kind of figure out how to squash those fears for themselves. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got to, you, you you know, we have our experience doing it. And it doesn't mean that it's like the perfect, you know, like that it's the greatest experience for you. You really have to approach things from your own um, perspective and point of view and how you do things is how you do things and and all of that is fine the the only thing is like I, one thing that i make sure that i do is that like i question my i do question my fears i question my fears and i follow my feelings the camera is like the only thing worse than feelings is people <laughs> oh cameron <laughs> cameron's like feelings huh no for anybody listening to this feelings is very important for for us when it comes to putting your stuff out there you got to pay attention to your feelings not not suppress them that's why i'm not a big fan of like you got to build a thick skin because to me it's like you build this armor around you and then you suppress your feelings i'm like no it's your it's a perfect opportunity for you to face those insecurities and i i would say that that's the most powerful thing that we have as artists putting our work out there is you're being vulnerable and you get to like really present yourself with these setbacks, these things that maybe have held you back from pursuing in our career or succeeding in our career. And you really incrementally get to face these things little by little. And I think, I think it's amazing. That's one of the coolest things about doing this yeah. art thing. I will say this kind of final thought about fear, fear of your artwork being vulnerable or being stolen or copied is um, it can happen even if you don't share your art, <laughs> weirdly. Yep. Like, you could keep your art under lock and key for fear that someone's going to copy it or steal it and end up finding something very much like it out in the world anyway. So you might as well share it. Yeah, you might as well share it. And in all honesty, for anybody out there that's like, there's a big difference between somebody being inspired by your work, mm -hmm. right? I, I have absolutely zero problem with that. I've inspired a lot of artists to create things that are similar to mine. And then there are people that copy, 
that basically copy line by line, you know, word for word, but, or, or paint by paint, like basically the thing. And to me, you know, I've thought about that, like recreating, like what would it be like to recreate something that someone else created, right? Because it's popular. And I think to myself, like, that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's, that's not even, it's not even remotely inspiring. It's basically like you're just doing a paint by numbers. And can you imagine creating a career that is based on creating stuff that other people created? Like that to me sounds like a nightmare. And it just, it's not very, honestly, it's not very artistic. Like it's I said, not- big difference between being inspired by something and then making it your own and making something of that which is what creatives do exactly cassie said they can only steal an image of a finished creation they don't have your style your approach or your brain that dreamed it that's exactly right right um and it's never it's not going to be like it's never going to be like the original carol said Like, when people tell me I should paint like the well-known artists, I say my art isn't about conforming to the norm. I paint the world as I see it. Bold strokes, quirky details, and a delightful grayscale. I don't chase realism like a runaway unicorn. Then people get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, a lot of times you have to educate people out there. As artists, like, we know a lot of the stuff because we're practicing it in, in life. But a lot of people have this perception about what art is supposed to be based on an overall perception that's out in the world. And so a lot of times when they're interacting with you or your art, they're going to have questions. But that's simply because they just don't know. They don't know. They're not educated in that. Mm -hmm. Cameron said copycat in high school project. I got an A and his was so bad as a copy that he failed the project. Usually that's how it goes. I've had somebody try and copy my stuff at a show ironically enough that when we did the show they did the same show that we did they didn't know we were going to be there and our booth was positioned right next to theirs and i walked over i was like huh that's interesting it was like all the same color same technique same type of wood same thing but it looked very different yes it looked very different and not very i don't i hate criticizing art but it just didn't look good it didn't look good and you know and even still right there's a collector base for what you were doing and there was a collector base for what they were doing well the problem is that they weren't doing it they started doing it because they saw us at the show earlier yeah i remember the question wasn't like oh this is really cool or anything like that the question was like so wow, it seems like you make a lot of money selling those trees. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you created the trees. That to me is copying. You're not even creating something because you were inspired by it. You were basically just creating something because you thought you were going to make a quick buck with it. Yeah. And those people fizzle out like, Yeah, they fizzled out immediately. Because it's not a sustainable thing. Uh, Jay said, inspired by your art versus copying your work is on them. Either one is just their approach to dealing with something they see, beauty, and what you made. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I've never been bothered by inspired by my work. I've even had people sheepishly tell me, like, this was inspired by your work. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me because my work is inspired by things, too. Um, Whether it was, like, an amalgamation of things in my brain jar that spit out this idea or I saw something that I thought was beautiful and, and went my own direction with it. Or I saw a technique that I liked and decided to try my hand at it. Whatever the case is like inspired by is, is part of the human uh, 
collaborative, you know, world that we live in. Exactly. Cameron said, if you're going to take the time and effort and stops to make a copy, just do your own thing. I really don't understand. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't either. I you don't know, either. For some people, copying might be their introduction into trying to do their own thing, but they just don't know what to do yet. In fact, they used to make apprentices copy masters yeah. back in the day. So now, it, now there's a big difference though there. I, I feel like there's a difference. Like if somebody's just getting started and they're copying stuff, then they're working on their technique. You yeah, know, they see something that works, and they're like, "Okay, they're working on their technique." Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like copying, and that's still being inspired by. It's like you get inspired by something, you think it's beautiful, and so you're whatever. To me, copying is like those Amazon sellers. Oh, that yeah. are like reproducing things. I'm like, that's that's blatant copying. Yeah, like the where they downloaded your image and are reselling it and are having it manufactured somewhere which we've had happen but again they don't do well no they and, don't and do they don't well. last long one of them one of them on amazon actually like took one of my mug designs i remember and and it, the mug literally the title for it was like eat, eat sleep, sleep rafi mug eat sleep rafi mug and they listed it as an eat sleep rafi mug and I was like, what are you doing? What does this mean? So we were like, well, they better be on top of customer service because they're making, they're, they're, they can't make us look like whatever. Um, but it was easy to just get, the, to just flag it. Yeah. And So the next thing that I have on my list, and this is one that not too many people talk about, is stagnation, right? So now you've been putting yourself out there for a while and you've been getting criticism, rejection, you're getting over all that stuff. One thing that could easily happen is that let's say now you become popular for something. And, you know, for example, with me, there was my trees. My trees were hella popular and I was doing very, very well with that series. And it got to the point where because of that external feedback, you know, people buying that art, I almost was afraid to do anything else. And that can happen and will lead to that stagnation, you know? So a lot of times you have to push outside of that. It's like, yes, this works and I could continue to do this, but I'm going to need to, um, you know, push outside of my comfort zone and do something else as well. Stagnation is my least favorite nation. (laughs) uh i have felt the pull to stick with what works also but it really isn't sustainable because our brains just aren't meant to do the same thing over and over again for all eternity even like not even just with what you're creating but just with what you're you are putting out there on social media like doing the market for nine years I found myself every saturday like at the market the weather's beautiful come say hi like oh you know yes this is true. Yes, I'm at the market. Yes, the weather's lovely. Yes, come say hi. But it was like, oh, okay, so a week goes by and I don't post anything. And then the next Saturday, it's like this again. I'm at the market. I'm at the market. I'm and at the market. Yeah. Sure. It it was fine and sure it worked and sure whatever. But yeah, it definitely can. It, stagnation just doesn't allow for forward momentum. Or I think I think that's a really good perspective as well, because it's not only the stuff that you're creating, but it's also the way that you're putting yourself out there. 
I like to see every single one as a stepping stone, right? So like I started at the flea market and that went really well for a few months. And then after a few months, I was like, well, I don't really want to be known as a flea market artist, Mm -hmm. right? So then at that point, I started looking at other options and we had done a few shows and I was like, do I want to like do the show circuit? And there was a really nice farmer's market where they had artists there. And I was like, well, I would much rather do the farmer's market. So that to me was like an upgrade from Mm -hmm. where I was. And then doing the different shows and, and different things like that. And then eventually at the farmer's market, I was like, well... I'm kind of I'm kind of tired of doing this. Like I I don't want to be known as you know this kind of artist. And then you know you kind of upgrade. And and sometimes it takes a few months. Sometimes it takes a few years. But at some point you're gonna get to a point where like that's same old same old. And whenever I get to that place, I'm like, okay, it's time for a change. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing about that is like, well, this is working. And now you're going to try and pursue something that you that there's no guarantee. But I feel like you have to do it because if not, it's easy for you to fall into some kind of stagnation there. Yeah, definitely. It's almost as if we, we're saying, keep leveling up because it looks good on social media. Um, but <laughs> uh, keep leveling up because you will eventually get bored. Yes. With, with what you're doing if you're not changing or growing. And if you're gonna get, if you get bored, the, the whatever you're sharing is that's gonna convey, right? Yeah. I had to face that within myself because it's easy for me to just do a thing and then do it and do it and do it and it works. And leveling up can be painful, but ultimately it does. It's way better. <laughs> it's who we are as humans. We're dynamic. We're not meant to do the same thing over and over and over again. So. Um, yes, it will make social media easier for you also, but it will also enrich your life. <laughs> so always be looking for the level up, you know, and that's something we think about during our, um, yearly reevaluation of like, okay, what thing are we taking on this year? That's going to be a new challenge for us. Uh, camera shows, I was so stagnant about what I wanted to do and felt I didn't have anything else to prove. Which meant no art making for a long time. It's stagnation easily. Like, it's just understanding that that is just the stepping stone. Win a few art shows. Great. After you win more art shows, you're like, all right, what's next? And what's next? And what's next? Like, and not like, what's next? What am I supposed to do as an artist? More along the lines of like, what's next? What haven't I experienced that I want to experience? And really, that's been the catalyst for my my own art career is like, well, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. For 2024, I want to release sculptures. This has been on my radar for a long time. I want to do like a full-on sculpture series. And, you know, luckily now with the Rogue site having moved to Patreon, I'm going to have a lot more time in the studio. Definitely. And you you just kind of like level up. Like, what is this thing that I want to do? What is this challenge that I want to challenge myself with? What is this thing that I haven't done yet to like? And that that really is the thing that inspires the artwork and the creating. And if you don't know what you want like because sometimes it's hard to plan like you can't really plan all the time what your level up looks like from where you currently are no but i think something that's very important and very helpful is that um 
you're not just in production mode producing work that you know does well and that you allow yourself time for play and experimentation and harebrained ideas because I think that's where those level up things really come from is that. On hand said, I worry so much about stagnating that I'm concerned about the repeated elements across my art. Are they signature elements or just stagnation? I, You know, honestly, on hand, when it comes to that, it all comes back to how you feel about it, mm-hmm. right? I have a feeling that in your comment there, it, it's more along the lines of like, is it stagnation based on what other people think? And the one thing that you have to remember is that what other people think does not matter. You pretty much know when you're bored with something, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you're bored with that thing, then it then chances are it's not it's not a signature element. You know, like there are things that you're going to want to do that you're excited about doing. And yes, that is part of your creation and thing that shows up everywhere. I love the blue. If you look at my collection of paintings, there is like a minty blue that is just in about every single painting that I do. I love that color. People call it my signature thing. I just love doing it. If I got bored with it, but was still doing it because I thought that that's what I needed to do or that's what other people expected, then at that point, that's stagnation. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it's something that you enjoy doing and you love doing, who cares what anybody else thinks? Definitely. And there's, you know, when when you have signature things that you really love and that you do, uh, there's when you're doing new things and you're in new territory, you are probably looking at how can I incorporate this thing into the new I do. You'll see signature textures and elements in my jewelry that even as the jewelry evolves you still see those things present there because aesthetically i love them yeah um same thing with music if you've been listening to our band lately you'll notice that string section is really kind of a thing that i (laughs) like even though the genre might change or the vibe of the song might change uh, I'm really into strings right now. So uh, will will that evolve itself out maybe, but maybe it's a, a becoming a signature thing. So there's a way to have the signature stuff and still let it evolve. Yeah, I think as long as you like love the stuff and you could, yeah, because I incorporate that color and my texture and stuff into everything. I love it. And so as long as I love it, I think ultimately there for me is like, Whenever I think of stuff like that, I think to myself, well, am I enjoying this process mm-hmm. and do I enjoy the way it looks? Or am I thinking about, you know, having this idea of what other people think when they're looking at the art? And it's like, don't that that guys is a waste of time thinking about what other people see when they look at your art is an absolute and complete waste of time because you have zero control over what anybody thinks or anybody sees when they're looking at your art. The only thing that you have control over is how you see the art and what you see and the things that you enjoy doing. So like, I would say that that's the, when it, when it comes to that on hand, like if you're really enjoying the process and you enjoy how it looks great, it's, it doesn't matter if you incorporate it in every piece or if you just have a series or whatever it is like great. It is not stagnation as long as you are enjoying that process. Cassie said, my level up is apparently majestic animal. Yes, Cassie. I love that, Cassie, because it came from play and it came from fun. And you pursued it 
um, when inspiration hit. And oftentimes it's just that. It's just giving it a little airtime when inspiration hits rather than sticking it somewhere. But even if you stuck the idea somewhere and revisited it at another time, it's like giving airtime to those fun moments and yeah. fun ideas like that's where newness comes from and your majestic animals are so incredible so i'm excited for that level up yeah like the level up thing is never it at, at least in my experience the level up thing has never been like this super profound thing my level ups usually are uh follow me saying Oh man, this would be awesome to do this. You know, what like, would be that's so it. cool. Yeah, yeah. You know what would be so cool? Oh, or like I do something like that is badass. Oh man, I want to create a series. Blah blah blah. Like that's usually what it is. Just something that I get excited about. Or you accidentally do something that's a total boo up, but it turns out that if you just work it a little, it's cool. Yeah, I had that happen recently with a thing, and I was like, oh, this is like a thing that could be a thing. Yeah. It came from me almost destroying something. Um, so, yeah, it's those wonderful little moments. Ginger said, Clee's strings would be an exceptional signature jam. I have no complaints. Thanks, Ginger. I do love a good string section. So let's get to the last one that I have on my list of pitfalls here. The last one is misinterpretation of intent. This is a big one for a lot of people. Yeah. Cancel so, culture. Cancel culture, that whole thing. So obviously, depending on what you're doing, like for basically this can happen with everything that you share out there. This podcast could be misinterpreted to mean something else. Every video that we do, every song that we do, every work of art, every jewelry meaning, every book, everything out there that you put out there can be misinterpreted. And, um, you know, people get offended. A lot of times I get comments you know, or emails or something about something. And I'm like, uh, okay, well, that's not what I meant. Or, um, you know, it, it's funny because people, when you put yourself out there, people are going to have this idea that they, um, that they know what your motives are, that they know you, you know, that they are like inside of your head, that they, they think they know your struggles and like stuff like that despite what you said, right? Like, it's almost like you say one thing, but they think that underlying that is actually something else. And quick example, we were, uh, before we bought this house, we were considering whether we were going to try and buy a house or go on the road. And someone interpreted that as Rafi having a midlife crisis and dragging poor Clee along for the horrible ride, right? <laughs> Why they interpreted things that way is all them. Yeah, I but that's a quick example. I remember I remember reading that comment. They were like there are cracks in the foundation of your relationship and I was like, Whoa. "What? We were not aware." <laughs> so, and, and but that's the thing. It's like yeah. people are going to misinterpret things based on their experience and their projection of their life onto you. And that's something to be ready. A lot of times, most of the time, you're not really going to experience that. Like, it's not going to happen. However, when it does happen, it could be one of those things that, like, might hit you because it's kind of like flying in under the radar where you're like, what is going on here? It is, it's really, really confusing. But it does, so when it does happen, um, it's better to be prepared 
for that to happen. Yeah. So that it doesn't catch you off guard because it will happen. If you're putting anything out there, your artwork or anything out there, you are going to have misinterpretation of intent. It will happen. Mm -hmm. So none of the things on this list is meant to scare you. I don't want to scare you out of like sharing your art or like leveling up or doing stuff. But I do, we do want to make sure that like you're prepared for when it does happen, you know, like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. When it comes to misinterpretation of intent on, on our end, of putting stuff out there, I would say that the one thing that I do when I'm saying stuff in a video uh, or I'm posting something on social media is I'll just quick read it and be like, did I convey what I meant to, right? That's kind of an easy one. And am I coming from a place of love with this? Um, That's important to me. Uh, if I am in any way coming from a passive aggressive place or a fearful place or uh, uh, or a hateful, I, well, I've never been coming from a hateful place, but um, I'm checking myself as far as my intentions. If I know my intentions are solid, then that's the most I can do. Um, and I think that that's important too. If you're doing live streamings like this, where this is happening in real time and things are happening and conversations are going in directions and like I we've met people who are terrified that they're going to say something on a live stream that they can't take back. Right. And I think the important thing is, are you coming from a place of love and growth? I think I think I think it's funny because like even you pointing out these these live streams or pod mm-hmm. live pods um one of the things that happens all the time is that I get told to um not cut you off not belittle you and that Clee has the right to shine as well as you do Rafi because sometimes you like to hear yourself speak and you ignore, and I get it. I get it. I'm a very, I'm a very dominant personality. So I tend to like, talk, when I get excited about something, I just speak. Um, and, but, but there's all this other stuff that gets put into it. Like there's this underlying problem. Yes. Uh, so this r- real, real life happened recently. Um, someone said like, I had a hard time watching this because you were you seemed like you were stepping on Klee or I forget what exactly the something along is. something along those lines yeah um and you know our dynamic is something that we talk about all the time whether it's on camera or off camera because that's who we are now I don't expect this person to know that a lot of you know that um but I can see how also someone could project what they have going on onto that. And, and feel like there's something happening that's not fair. Um, right. and, and that has more to do with them also. And so you kind of have to know you're, you're good or you're not good. For me and Rafi, we know we're good. We have a pretty balanced ratio of cutting each other off and, <laughs> and whatever. Our dynamic's pretty solid because we talk about it. Now, if I wasn't talking to Rafi at times where I felt steamrolled or he wasn't bringing up things that bothered him and we weren't having that communication then it would probably be quite apparent that there was a problem but this is just human interaction stuff 
It's like it's not really a big deal. But I but I think I think when people are going through that, you know, where they're experiencing that and then they see any example of it, and that's where the misinterpretation usually happens with anything that's out there, is um they're they're projecting because they're experiencing it themselves. And so they assume honestly that comment that's one of those comments that recently like got under the under the radar and just hit me right in the feels. And it hurt my heart a little bit because I was like, well, I don't, that's, that's not what's going on here, but you got to be prepared for those things and understand. And luckily we've been doing this long enough where I'm like, okay, that's coming in. Um, how do I approach this thing from, from the future? Diego said, shame on you, Rafi, for dragging Clee all over the place. <laughs> I know, right? Um, Jenny said, this is the yin and yang of a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on hand said, oh, my God, people misinterpret me all the time to the point I think it's me. <laughs> Cassie said, yeah, Rafi, walk a mile and please blur. <laughs> Kelly said, so the Etsy rant was love. And I'm going to say, yes, yes, the Etsy rant was <clears throat> love. The Etsy rant was channeled anger. Um, it was empowered anger. Uh, of, uh, as far as like, I am going to do something about this. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to make moves here. And it also was mad love for my fellow makers because we collectively didn't have to put up with it. Exactly. Um, and so, yes, the Etsy rant was uh, empowered anger and love, I will say. Gail said, you guys never seem that way. I have never seen a more balanced couple in my whole... Well, thank you, Gail. Yeah. Thanks, Gail. Yeah. Uh, Ginger said, there does come a point where you must accept that people will, will have their own opinions and ideas of you regardless of what you say. You could do everything 100% perfect, but they can still be... Uh, Delulu. Yeah. Delulu. Yeah. 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 Or really, really, most humans are projecting their own feelings onto you. And that that pretty much describes trolls and haters and people out there that don't leave constructive criticism that leave like really nasty criticism. It really has nothing to do with you. Something about what you said, something about your interaction, something about something stands out. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that speaking up because you see an injustice is wrong. I, I do appreciate that. Like Ginger says, they perceive an injustice and it must be known. Mm -hmm. I get that. I get that. Um, but you know, when, it, when it's misplaced like that, where there is that misinterpretation of intent, like it could cause you to not want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like with me, uh, it, it did hit me in the feels and I was like, do I, do, why am I doing this? Like, I don't, I'm, you know, even though, 99.9% .9 of the interaction that we have with the community is positive. It always is astonishing to me after the fact, after I've gone through whatever spiral that is, how one comment can make you forget everything else and decide like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> or, or something like that. And, you know, and then having to bring myself back to that place of like, oh, this is just, you know, don't take it personal, I think is one of the most important things. Don't take it personally. And I have no reason to take it personally because that's not, you know, we have open communication about that stuff. Yeah, I think the thing is like because we talk 
And, and so it's like, whether you're checking in with your partner in crime or you're checking in with yourself of like, mm, am I good with me? If Rafi had said to me, there was no problem, that's completely delusional, end of story. Right. Then I would have been like, let me watch the footage back. But that's not what happened. Right. The conversation was, did you feel stepped on during this live stream? And I thought, like, no, maybe we felt a little rushed for time. There have been other times where one of us did feel stepped on or not heard. But, like, then the conversation happens. And so I think that's the most important thing because you're going to be getting you gotta, stuff. You got to – you. it's important to not – disregard understand like sure this is a projection but is there any truth here that i could work on i know for a fact that when i am in a rush where i'm like paying attention to the clock when we're doing these right because i maybe i have a billion other things to do or please like paying attention to the clock that it's easy for us to be like okay we need to. We or need one to... of us is reading the ticker tape and just completely doesn't hear what the other one said, which I like <laughs> to make a joke about when I'm like, you just do, you didn't hear that at all. Or you will say, you know, like, because it happens. There's a lot of stuff happening on a live stream. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic to adjust into, but it's, but a... it's also a fun dynamic yeah. if you can communicate. Yeah. Um, and and I think that that gets better and easier with time, too. It does. It does. Carol said, I had someone tell me I should be sitting at home listening to radio because I'm blind. They thought I can't, should do, shouldn't do things out in the world. I just laugh and said, well, have a good life then. Yeah. 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 See, and that's the thing. It's like people have their perceptions and really it has to do with their own limitations. Diego said cracks in the foundation should be a song or a series of dramatic paintings. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Oh, I, I do love that. I'm actually going to write that down. Right. Cracks in the foundation. Gail Friend said, I imagine there are tons of couples who would aspire to have what you guys have. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks, Gail. It's, and I, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's work that we want to do. Yeah, it's work that it's actually fun work, though. <laughs> Even even the rough times, it's fun work. Cassie said, it's like how I spread the rumor that Rafi doesn't bathe or change clothes. I'm projecting my own hygienic inadequacies. <laughs> Cassie, pirates are known for not bathing or changing clothes. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> well, you guys, that's what we have for pitfalls. Um, you know, the the one on this list, all of these, everything that we talked about in this podcast hit me in the feels like at, at one time at or another. one time or another. Yeah. And the last one is the most recent hit me in the feels, you know? So like, I think that's one of the scariest ones. It, too, it, it really people. is. It really is. But it's, it's important to also not, you know, like I made sure that when I read that comment that I didn't just respond in a way that, um, you know, from that hurt place, because I, Listen, when it comes to when it comes to comments like that, like I know that they're not coming from from a hateful place. You know, it's not coming from a hateful place. There's pain there and they're coming from a place where they they see an injustice and mm -hmm. they want to whatever. So like and I think that that's why the misinterpretation of intent is the hardest one, because a lot of times they're not coming from a from a hateful negative place. And it's like. It, it still might hit you in a button and then you're like, all right, you want to respond in a certain way. Whereas somebody being a troll 
or like giving you like super hateful negative criticism or rejection, that's easy. I'm like, well, that's on you, dude. Off mm-hmm. with you. You know, off with their head or whatever. But like when it comes to that last one, I think that there is there's a way of dealing with with that where you do have empathy for the person that is saying the thing. Yeah, you understand that their motives are coming from a protective or loving place or they need um you know, they need support for something they're going through and so you you can regain your footing that way. Ginger's like kapow right into feels. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, that's it. That's all we have for today for the podcast. Thank you, Rogues, for being here. Yes. You guys always make the podcast so much fun. So much fun. And thank you to everybody at home listening to this. Uh, just so you know, we totally adore you. And if you like this and you want to subscribe to more of our podcasts, we try to do these weekly. Uh, go ahead and click whatever subscription, follow thing, whatever platform you're on, and go ahead and click that. And other than that, would you like to say goodbye, Clee? Good day. Adios.